Well, hello there, friend. Did you miss me? It's been a whole week since I released a podcast episode. And I know, I know, you've been just sitting here, twiddling your thumbs, desperately, desperately hoping that I'm going to come back and impart more of my incredible knowledge onto you. And here I am. So, sorry for the hiatus. I have been hard at work on vacation the last week, and I have been coming up with some pretty awesome ideas for some future episodes, so stay tuned for that. This week, I'm playing catch-up. Uh, things have been a little bit wild, a little bit crazy. I haven't necessarily had a ton of time to sit down and plan out a very specific episode, so today's episode is going to be inspired by something that I actually did while I was on vacation. So let me ask you this. Does something that doesn't kill you, make you stronger. It's an age-old saying, one that gets uh, thrown around quite a bit, and can be true, can be not true, depending on the circumstances. Certainly, uh, you know, people who say go through elements of uh, extreme trauma, like PTSD, can sometimes experience something called post-traumatic growth, where they actually grow as a person, become more mentally healthy as a result of a traumatic experience that they've been through. But on the flip side, you know, you could also be horrifically poisoned by something and almost die and then have, you know, sort of prolonged impacts to your health as a result of that. So I, what am I even saying? Oh, wait, that's right. I'm introducing the theme of today's podcast episode, which is things that almost kill you, but ultimately make you stronger. More specifically, there are two of these things that seem to have a positive effect on the body where it thinks it's dying, but as a result actually ends up accruing a large number of health benefits. And they've been very popular, uh, popularized, I guess, recently by some of the more famous health influencers that are out there. Specifically, I'm referring to the famous Wim Hof and the less famous, but someone I mentioned on this podcast before who I quite enjoy listening to, Dr. Rhonda Patrick. Ice and fire. Ice being Mr. Wim Hof and his methods of cold exposure, and fire being uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick and her methods of heat endurance, especially sauna use. Prolonged exposure to extreme cold and extreme heat is deadly, can be very deadly. And in fact, when you deliberately expose yourself to extreme cold or extreme heat, the resulting effect on the body is essentially that it becomes very concerned that it might die. And the resulting release of various chemical mechanisms and biochemical safety protocols as a result of the fear of potentially dying actually seems to confer a pretty impressive health benefit and has become another piece of my sort of overall toolbox that I've come to rely on as a way of bolstering my resilience, managing stress, and again, just things that have really tangibly provided a benefit for me. So today on the podcast, we're talking about tricking your body into thinking it might be dying so that you can truly live. Yeah, I'm resilient, won't get caught up in my woes, I just do it for those tan tiny fingers and toes. Now, I exaggerate here a little bit. Uh, please understand the goal of these therapies and, and using these tools is not to come close to the brink of death. That is too far and definitely will be something that almost kills you and probably hurts you in the process. But like I said before, there really are some interesting things that happen to the body when you threaten it with things like extreme heat and extreme cold. 
external temperature regulation mechanisms such as sweating or increasing metabolism to increase the amount of heat in the body, they only go so far before your body simply just can't withstand the temperatures that it's being exposed to. The secondary line of defense against extreme heat or extreme cold is then to shift the biochemical functioning inside of the body if it can't regulate the temperature externally as a method to cope. For example, in a sauna in an extreme heat environment, things like increased heart rate, increased volume of blood plasma. There's an upregulation of a number of genes that are associated with health-promoting effects, and most interestingly of all, the body releases something called heat shock proteins. Now exactly what these are and how they work are beyond my biochemical knowledge to explain, so I won't really go into the specific details of them. If you want a more in-depth breakdown of how this actually works, I'd highly suggest looking into Rhonda Patrick's work on sauna, as she really breaks down in much more detail kind of the scientific factors and how they influence the positive health effects of sauna. But I think just in general, what I'm trying to highlight here is that it's a significant effect. When you go and sit inside a sauna, expose yourself to intense heat, there's a lot of positive shifts that happen within the body, and they are survival mechanisms. Initially, they are designed to basically prevent you from dying, give you a greater level of um, ability to sustain the intense temperatures that you're, you're surviving in. Um, but if you walk out of there before you die, and before you get you know too sick from incredible amounts of heat, these sort of circulating heat shock proteins, anti-inflammatory mechanisms that get activated by the body stay inside of you and kind of slowly work to help repair and strengthen you over the long term, which creates benefits in terms of increased physiological and even mental resilience. I'll just go through a brief laundry list of some of the benefits of sauna health. Improved cardiovascular health, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease, improved metrics of blood work that are related to cardiovascular disease sort of across the board, reduced inflammation, improved cognitive functioning, enhanced neurogenesis, meaning increased ability for your brain to grow and develop new neurons, decreases and uh, help prevention of cognitive decline, reduction and buffering against depression, improvement of mental focus and attention span, improved hormonal and metabolic function, increased physical and athletic performance, the ability to detoxify certain heavy metals and plastic compounds that accumulate in the human body as a result of the modern world, most interestingly of all, Dr. Patrick uh, pretty equivocally states that sauna research seems to show that people who frequently make use of sauna or significant heat exposure actually demonstrate reduced risk of all-cause mortality, meaning you're just less likely to die overall. So, pretty cool. Pretty amazing if you ask me. On the flip side, you have cold exposure. Exposure to extreme cold. This would include things like jumping into ice baths, jumping into frozen lakes or rivers, or jumping into even just cold bodies of water. Some people even go as far as doing things like what's called cryotherapy, where you go inside a room that shoots um, like frozen liquid nitrogen at you uh, in an attempt to put you in a, a very extreme cold situation and trigger these sort of positive responses. Again, cold exposure has a similar sort of process to heat exposure in that the body becomes very concerned about the fact that it's in this extreme environment and desperately attempts to try to regulate itself by increasing its ability to generate energy and um, increased ability to generate its own, you know, temperature increasing factors. But again, once that kind of runs out, 
then it has to start shifting its internal chemistry to try to improve its overall functioning. Cold exposure is similar, but a little bit different with some of the mechanisms. So uh, cold exposure approaches can do things for you like cause release of norepinephrine, which is a neurotransmitter or sorry, I guess hormone really, a bit of both, which has positive effects on things like energy and mood. There's a real adrenaline rush that happens when you jump in cold water. And the after effects of that adrenaline rush result in, woo, feeling pretty good. It may feel deeply unpleasant in the moment to expose yourself to extreme cold, but after you kind of get through that initial shock and get out, it feels pretty great. It can really have some, some positive and um, really strong mood boosting effects. That's the first thing. More prolonged periods of cold exposure can induce the release of the heat shock protein's cousin, cold shock proteins. They have a similar effect to heat shock proteins, but instead of preventing the damaging effects of heat, they prevent the damaging effects of cold. There's also a corresponding increase in what's called mitochondrial biogenesis, meaning the mitochondria in your cells, the area of cells that help you produce physical energy, actually have to increase and make more of themselves as a result. And then finally, cold exposure activates a certain type of tissue in the body called brown fat, which is associated with producing energy and heat and has seems to have positive effects on health and uh, the body's ability to kind of regulate its metabolism and its energy output in more healthy ways. In terms of the actual resulting health benefits from cold exposure, again, somewhat similar to sauna. People note things like improvements in general aspects of metabolic health, their body's ability to just process energy and uh, get rid of unpleasant chemicals that it doesn't want around, seems to improve their benefits to increasing immune system function. Multiple antioxidant pathways seem to be impacted by cold exposure. Inflammation gets decreased. Many people note both acute and more prolonged improvements in their mood. It can be potentially beneficial to reduce the negative effects of brain aging. And again, this is just me literally reading off of the laundry list of other people's research. I'm literally stealing ideas from other people here. So once again, if, if you want to know the ins and outs of this in much more detail, I'd highly suggest checking out Found My Fitness with Dr. Rhonda Patrick. She goes into much more detail that I'm not going to bother with for this show, partly because it's out of my scope. I'm not going to give specific recommendations or protocols as to how to go about doing these things because a, I'm, I'm not that well versed in these protocols. And two, I mean, it's coming dangerously close to giving medical advice. So I would suggest if you're interested in cold exposure, heat exposure, first get medically cleared to ensure that your body actually can withstand some of these more extreme um, heat and cold environments. And then secondly, I would suggest either doing a lot of your own research on specifically how to get the benefits of these in a safe way, or find someone who can coach you on how to do so. Recently, while we were on vacation, my wife and I had the pleasure of visiting a Nordic spa, which I know you think, if you've never been to one, might sound a little bit uh, bougie and fancy, and it is. It was. But it's also a really good time. At a Nordic spa, what you do is you get in a sauna, and you bake in the sauna until you can't deal with that anymore, and then you get out of the sauna and you jump into a very cold pool of water to activate the extreme norepinephrine and, and um, release of adrenaline that follows. After that, you relax, either in a hot tub or on a comfortable chair. And 
The theory goes that by flooding yourself with norepinephrine and opening up your veins, increasing your heart rate first with the sauna, what happens is the epinephrine converts into endorphins and you're left with sort of a a very calm, pleasant sense of well-being and honestly a little bit of a high. And then you do it again. You do another round. You go back in the sauna, bake in the sauna, you jump in the cold, and then you relax again for the second time around. Third time around. Fourth time around. I think we spent about four hours there in total, and I did about four or five rounds of sauna, cold, and then rest. And I have to say, it felt so, so good. Like, it's hard to describe exactly what the feeling is like, but I would liken it to, you know, imagine being drunk. A time when you've been drunk in a way that felt good, felt very pleasant, felt very relaxed, very at ease. But then take away the negative sides of being drunk, being out of control, um, losing balance, sort of, you know, kind of the weird um, negative effects that happen to you when you drink. Take those away. And that's kind of the feeling I was left with. You're left with this sort of very sedated, very calm, very peaceful state of being. It's it's honestly quite wonderful. So, I mean, they're they're a little pricey and and sometimes there's a, a waiting list and stuff like that to get into them. But if you have a little bit of disposable income and you're looking for a fun date for you and your partner sometime, see if you got a Nordic spa in your area and go. It feels amazing. I mean, after four hours there, you know, spending the time coming home, there was just a huge shift in in my mental state and my level of stress and my wife's mental state and level of stress as well. I mean, just my tolerance for, you know, irritating things that my kids were doing was higher. My tolerance for stressful situations that I found myself in in school or at work was higher. Um, and the benefits lasted, I would say the benefits lasted at least three or four days after doing that. So that's a little more extreme. That's not something you're going to really have a chance to do all the time unless you happen to own a sauna uh, in a cold pool or maybe own a sauna and it's wintertime where you are. But I share that story because it just, it struck me and it stuck with me just how good I felt and how kind of positive some of these effects can be on people and especially for mental health. Most of the health benefits that get touted for these techniques are more so focused on longevity, the physical health benefits, reducing inflammation in the body, Um, but they also really positively influence mood. For example, sauna exposure is now being looked at as a potential mechanism to decrease depressive symptoms, help people recover from depression, given that, you know, depression seems to have a lot of overlap with metabolic issues and inflammatory problems, which both of these techniques seem to be helpful in addressing. Overall, for me personally, I am much more partial to heat exposure and sauna use as opposed to cold exposure. I'll tell you a little story. When I first discovered Wim Hof, I don't know if if anyone doesn't know who this guy is, I suggest you look him up just for the entertainment value alone. He's a, I guess, stuntman, um, record-setting, yoga sort of uh, wellness master guy. I don't even know exactly how to characterize what he is in his background, but he's most famous for having the title of The Iceman. And he performs feats of incredible cold endurance where he'll do things like, you know, run through the Arctic barefoot and no shirt, climb Mount Everest with no shirt, barefoot. He can jump in a frozen lake and spend comfortably an hour there swimming around, seemingly without issue. He uses a combination of yogic breathing techniques um, in order to, at least he claims, achieve some of this ability. And he claims that with the meditative techniques and the breathing techniques that he makes use of, 
he can teach anybody these skills and the ability to sustain cold exposure. I learned about him a couple of years ago, and of course, it was at a time when I was a little bit younger, a little bit more kind of gung-ho and excited to try lots of new things, and so I jumped headfirst into the Wim Hof method. I was doing his breathing of hyperventilating and then, you know, frequent and regular cold exposure, jumping into the frozen lake at my parents' cottage, you know, walking around in the wintertime without a coat, using breathing exercises to warm myself up. And initially it worked very, very well. Initially I got a lot of benefit from the breathing techniques that he teaches um, and the the benefits of the cold exposure, sort of improving my mood, just making me feel energized, fired up. I will say after a while, those benefits stopped. After a while, I found that whereas I could withstand a lot of cold initially, slowly but surely, I, I actually really started to struggle handling the cold, even when I was doing his breathing exercises. And then after a while, I found even the breathing exercises started to impact me negatively. I would get dizzy while I was doing them. Um, and I just, after a while, it just, it stopped feeling good. And it stopped helping me the way that I wanted to. And my ability to sustain the level of cold exposure that I had been prior to that really seemed to decline. I ended up actually stopping employing the Wim Hof method personally after I did an EEG on myself. I hooked myself up to the brain scanning equipment that we had at the clinic at the time, and I did a round of Wim Hof breathing. And afterwards, again, I felt dizzy, I felt off, I felt not great, and my brain did not look good. The functional activity that showed up on the scan just in my experience uh, as a clinician, just looked very kind of like a desperate state, like the brain was was not happy with what had happened. And it was a, a substantial shift from how my normal sort of resting state EEG would look. So in the end, just the, the subjective feeling and the impact that it seemed to have on me, I wasn't a fan personally of the Wim Hof method. Second to that, a lot of experts have pointed out that Wim Hof seems to have uh, genetic factors in him where he produces a higher amount of brown fat tissue than the average person, which makes him actually able to withstand cold intrinsically better than other people. Not necessarily because of the skills that he teaches, but partly because his body is actually just somewhat freakishly better adapted to the cold than the average person. However, that is my personal experience, and I will say that Wim Hof has become extremely popular like I said, sort of health and wellness influencer in the world. And a ton of people have adopted his methods and would tell you that it's been life-changing for them. It's made a significant impact on their well-being and they love doing it and they love doing it and they want to keep doing it. So I don't want to necessarily take away from that. I'm not going to tell you that Wim Hof's methods were bad, or sorry, are bad because they were bad for me. But I will say with cold exposure especially, I would encourage moderation. Cold exposure is taxing. You're putting an energetic demand on the body. You're requiring it to dramatically increase its metabolism to try to keep up its expending resources. And so I think occasional sort of brief stints of cold exposure here and there can be can be very powerful and very healing. And doing things like, say, a cryogenic chamber or an ice bath can be potentially really helpful for reducing inflammation, improving mood. You know, if you're really having a bad day and you're really, really low Something like a cold shower, even the release of norepinephrine could potentially help to boost your mood, give you a little bit of energy, make you feel better, knock you out of that, that negative state. So try not to overdo it. Do things in moderation. Pay attention to your body and how it feels. If something is really starting to seem to tax you more so than energize you each time you do it, maybe be careful with doing it a lot. 
I haven't looked extensively into the scientific basis for Wim Hof's breathing methods. Um, I mean, obviously, the cold exposure itself seems to have a lot of really solid health benefits. He makes a lot of very interesting claims about his sort of methods of hyperventilating to breathe and flooding the body with oxygen. I'm not going to get into that. I should do some of my own research further, but I guess I'm getting off topic here. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is be careful with the advice that you take. Be careful with taking things to an extreme. You know, just because these sort of extreme methods of cold exposure are good for you doesn't mean that you should be doing them all the time. And they could get a little taxing. Personally, I've come to much prefer heat exposure as my kind of method of improving my health and well-being with some of these techniques. I found that heat exposure and, and sort of sauna use is much more tolerable. It still can be sort of quite unpleasant and, and somewhat taxing on the body, but it didn't feel like when I do it, it doesn't feel like it takes energy out of me. It actually feels like it adds energy into the system. And when I come out of a, a sauna or a heat exposure session, um, I just feel good. I don't know even how to describe it per se, but it just leaves me with this kind of deep sense of well-being. And I, I definitely note again, things like just improve mood. My mood is better. My, my stress tolerance is better. It just leaves me feeling like I've done something really positive. For those of you who can't afford a sauna, like myself, um, there are other methods of ways of getting heat exposure. Personally, I've been inclined to do what I call death baths, which is where I turn the heat up on the bath as much as I possibly can, and I fill a bathtub with just insanely hot water, and then I, I get in there and I kind of like boil myself a little bit for a while and you get some of the benefits of sauna hot hot water exposure can provide somewhat of a similar level of heat exposure and sort of these benefits these heat shock protein benefits that i talked about before i don't think it's necessarily as good there's something about sort of having your head in there as well and breathing in the hot air but certainly if you don't have access to a sauna um something like a bath now that it's currently summertime in Canada and fairly hot, uh, another idea that I've been toying with, I haven't actually tried it yet, but now that I've recorded this episode, I, I think I will, is a uh, car sauna. You know, a car on average when it's outside in the sun can be as much as 43 degrees higher than the outdoor temperature. So on a hot day, that would be pretty much quite close, pretty much approximate to the kind of temperature that a sauna might reach, at least a cooler sauna. So if you got a hot car sitting outside... I mean, you could theoretically, I think, treat it like a sauna. Again, this isn't health advice. This isn't medical advice. This is me just throwing stuff around. I'm going to try it for myself because I, I actually think it's a good idea. And I just, I love heat exposure so much. I love the sauna so much. I so desperately want one, but I just, I don't have thousands of dollars right now to fork out for something like that to put into my house. Um, and so, you know, a car would, I think, get you quite a ways there it's it's going to provide a very similar environment to a sauna to be honest if it's if it's in a hot space so again this this idea might be a little bit out there but I'm, i think i'm going to give it a try because i i've been missing the sauna ever since i had to leave it and the baths are pretty solid they definitely improve my mood they definitely make me feel good um but there's just something about bacon fully in the heat and just sitting in a in a hot room that I don't know. It's just wonderful. And I definitely find that it bolsters my emotional health and resilience. So 
like I said, just make sure uh, you get yourself medically cleared before you try any of this stuff. Uh, and I would maybe suggest doing a little bit of research on how much to do it and other methods that you can do to keep yourself safe because, you know, you, you can't just go in and jump into these things 100% without being a little bit careful. But again, they're great. I think it's really helped me a lot. I really have felt a lot of benefits from doing this. It's something I'm going to continue to do, especially the heat stuff, maybe occasionally the cold stuff. And if you do decide to do it, I really hope it helps you out. I'll be back next week with a little more detailed episode and some more interesting kind of dad-related stuff. But for the time being, take care of yourself, dad. And uh, you might hear my baby crying in the background. I'll see you later.